Hello, college football fans, and welcome to the Conference Championship Week episode of the Preferred Walk-Ons, a college football show about college football. As you guys should know, this is, this is basically as good as it gets for us, right? I mean, we're headed into Conference Championship Week. This is the best time in college football, I would argue, even more than the college football playoff actually happening because you have all of these great games that should happen this weekend. I'm Jeremy Taché, joined as always by Demetrius Maris. Meet you want to say what's up to the people? What to do, baby? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're having a weird day. Uh, Meet is up at Jacksonville, so he automatically just became a complete weirdo. Um, so yeah, lost my mind in the process for yeah, sure. That's what happened. It's all good. Um, so anywho, uh, we are now um really excited as we have um you know these conference championship games coming up, and we're gonna do things a little bit different this week. Um, we've been sort of letting you guys know what the rundown is going to be throughout this entire process. And so now, um, you know, I think I might as well bring you through what we're going to do this week, which is we will review um, six games from last week. Those games will be Ole Miss versus Mississippi State, Virginia Tech and Virginia, Washington State and Washington, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, Ohio State and Michigan, and of course, Auburn and Alabama. You know, each uh, one of those games has a uh, rivalry nickname too. We got the Egg Bowl. The Governor's Cup, the Apple Cup, Bedlam, the Game, and the Iron Bowl. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. I, rivalry Weekend's the best. Uh, then we will do our quick hitters where we can touch on some of the other rivalry games that happen and really just more some storylines there. Uh, that'll be Meech's will be Louisville and Kentucky, uh, Army and Hawaii, Clemson and South Carolina. I have, obviously, the war on I-4, UCF versus USF, Iowa and Nebraska, and Tennessee versus Vanderbilt. Um, Instead of going directly to the poll, which we normally do, and we compare and contrast our poll with the college football playoff, we are going to save that for the end. So after we are done with our quick hitters and our new segment, which you guys will see uh, what some of the topics are there, we're actually going to go ahead and do our conference championship previews and our, obviously, uh, Grown Man of the Week and Onion Hanger, and we will finish up with our poll. The reason we want to do that is because the repercussions of all of these games sort of shift around what could happen in our poll and in the college football playoff. It's implication um, season as the, uh, yeah. as the teens are saying. Yeah. Implication season. Uh, and so what this will do is we'll, <laughs> give you, we'll give you our preferred walk on poll, but what, because of the implications, obviously because of the implications, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then the college football playoff poll because of the implications. Um, and I, those two things are going to look very different from one another. But what our conversation will then ensue into by the end of this podcast is talking about the actual college football playoff, whether we like their poll or not, uh, and the implications of all of these conference championship games, which we will have already picked. So uh, we are going to start this off right now. Are you ready for this, Meech? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. So the Egg Bowl. <laughs> the piss tur- the piss heard around the world. Mississippi. <laughs> this is yeah. So we're not going to talk about the football game. No, there's State no point. Uh, for those of you that did not see, Mississippi State wins this game, twenty-one to twenty. And the re- the reason is that Ole Miss comes back at the very end of the game uh, and scores a touchdown to put the team within one. They were down twenty-one fourteen. They make it 21 to set up to set up the uh, game tying extra point. Correct. Correct. The game tying extra point. But then, of course, uh, <laughs> the craziest possible thing happens in that the Ole Miss wide receiver, Elijah Moore, 
Elijah Moore, who caught the touchdown, crawls on his hands and knees <laughs> to the back <laughs> of the end zone and essentially looks like he's peeing like a dog. Uh, not in the Trump way of saying like a dog, like actually like a dog. Yes. Uh, on the Mississippi State student section. Receives an unsportsmanlike conduct. Oh, man. And Ole Miss goes on to miss the extra point because of the penalty. And Mississippi State wins the game 21-20. You know, we had that. Uh, we stopped at the last couple of weeks. But the most college football thing I saw this week. Oh, that would be the most college football it, thing I saw of the year. Yeah, by far, right? Like, it, it right. wins the award. And I'm so happy that it happened. Not to spoil our award show for next week. But that, yeah, that's winning that award yeah, 100% so, hands yeah, down. And, and so that you guys know now, we are going to have an award show next week. Because that feels fitting. Uh, given all the circumstances. So that'll be really fun. Uh, and given the implications, obviously. Uh, because but, of the implications. Do, do you have any sort of thoughts on what happened here with Ole Miss and, and Mississippi State? I just want to bring up, did you happen to see the Ole Miss kicker's reaction <laughs> when the penalty got called? Because I think, secretly, that's the funniest thing that, that happened. You know what? I didn't see it. Was he just panicking or was what No, happened? so he... There, so it's, <laughs> it's hilarious, bro. It's like a... a a shot of him on the sideline celebrating the uh, touchdown, right? Sure. Then you see the exact moment that the flag gets thrown, and he just kind of collapses into a heap. <laughs> like, he knew he was going to miss it because of the penalty immediately. He just knew, like, I can't kick it more than 10 yards. Right. Oh, it was so incredible, and it was such a perfect way for the season to end. And, you know... I do want to say, I feel oh, horrible ahead. for Elijah Moore because, in all honesty, he's one of the three most talented uh, non-Alabama wide receivers in the SEC. He had a rough day, too, because he, he, I believe, uh, muffed a punt return as well. That, uh, yes, he did. That cost them early. Um, but he's a really talented kid. Uh, the, <laughs> the problem uh, for Ole Miss, number one, you know, you turned around. You thought Ole Miss was going to be horrible this year. They sort of looked like they were turning it around. They end up finishing four and eight. They did not have a right. very good season. Um, so maybe you were right after all. Mississippi State becomes bowl eligible, bowl eligible because of that. Like, not only do you lose to your rival, but you allow them to become bowl eligible because you literally fake peed on. You couldn't keep it in your pants. Zone. I mean, it's amazing. It's just everything that could have gone wrong. You could have <laughs> finished with the same record as them. Like, instead of feeling like, you lost to your rival and they become bowl eligible. I mean, everything swayed on that one play. And it's just, it's the most college football thing that I saw all year. It's perfect. Yep. Um, all right, let's move on to the governor's yeah. cup. Uh, Virginia tech. I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. It, you, yeah. I was gonna yeah. So Virginia wins this one, 39 to 30 over Virginia tech. Um, I believe that you and me were, have been pretty consistent that we thought Virginia has been the better team all year. Absolutely. despite the uh, late season push from Virginia Tech. And that's not, that's not to take anything away from Virginia Tech at all. I believe uh, after what was that, a two and two, uh, one and three start or one and two start for Virginia Tech. For yeah, I mean, whatever it was, to rebound to – I'm confident that Virginia Tech was a top 30 program this year, right? Yeah, it was a two and two, season, uh, two, and two start for them. They finished eight and four. And while I picked Virginia Tech in this game, that was mostly just to make up ground. Like, we've been consistent <laughs> all, all – I have a few games behind me each in our picks. But uh, we've been consistent all year long. That Virgi We thought Virginia was going to win the Coastal. What happened? Virginia went nine and three and won the Coastal. I mean, we said it and before the season. 
and these are two excellent teams, and it it, it is a, a testament to both programs that they found themselves playing in their rivalry game at the end of the year for a chance to go to that conference championship game. It's pretty awesome, um, actually. I, I hope that happens for years to come, to be honest with you. Yeah, man. Uh, Bryce Perkins, though. What continue. a star. I mean, I said it a couple weeks ago on this show, and I, I'm just going to say it again. If you're a team that has an injury-prone quarterback in the NFL, or, like, if you're – you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it now. You know where he would be perfect, Jeremy? Why don't you tell me? San Francisco. He would fit so well as in the that backup office. for Jimmy G. He oh. would be, and you can't tell me Shanahan couldn't find ways to let make Brett like get Bryce Perkins in the places he needs to be. Well, and the thing that I mean, look, Bryce Perkins is a sturdy runner too. Like it's not, yeah, he's, he's big. Not, he's not just like scrambling around. That's a big man. He's six three two twenty. Well, the reality is he he's. Can, can I just say that he's better, like, he's Jalen Hurts, but probably, like, even individually at least just as good, if not better, than Jalen Hurts actually is? I would agree with you on that 100%. Um, yeah. if, you gave, if you gave Bryce Perkins, if you gave Bryce Perkins, CeeDee Lamb, Trey Sermon, the best, like, one of the three best offensive lines in the country, and Lincoln Riley calling his plays, I think we're talking about him. Too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is interesting to see, you know, where he ultimately ends up in an NFL draft because I just think he's a phenomenal football player. And he's at three thousand, like two thousand nine hundred forty-nine yards passing, mm-hmm. so basically seven. So he's at almost three thousand seven hundred in, in terms of passing and rushing yards. Right. Um, sixteen touchdowns to nine interceptions through the air, which the interceptions have been a problem for him throughout the year. Sure. Um, sure. but. The only game where that really killed them was the Notre Dame game uh, where he threw two picks and they ended up losing that one by 15. But other than that, I mean, he's just a steady – he's just a steady quarterback, man. 65% really, really completion percentage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Virginia's going to take – like, would it be unsurprised – like, would you be surprised if Virginia t- took, like, a three-win – deficit next year with him leaving oh absolutely not he's such a great football player and i don't think that they necessarily pose much of a threat to clemson but when you do have a player of that caliber it at least gives you a shot right right i mean that's that's the whole thing that you're looking for you're looking for a shot late in the game and having one of the best players on the field and and he's ultimately going to be one of the best players on the field in that game he's they're not they're not going to win we'll get to that later but uh, it's a pretty remarkable season that they're ultimately going to end up in the orange bowl. I mean, what a season. Yeah. Right? Great, great season. And then uh, just last thing on this game and then we can move on. Yeah. Hendon hooker uh, finally had his like, okay, he's a first year starter game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he still had 18 of 30 for 311 yards and a touchdown. The two picks really, really killed them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're a Virginia Tech fan, I mean, you have a lot to look forward to next year. If you can find a capable defensive coordinator to replace Bud Foster, the defense is going to be, like, aging into their uh, primes, and yep. they've been playing together now for two years. And you have what seems to be a dynamic, explosive player at quarterback. Virginia Tech's going to be a fun team to watch next year. Yeah, they – they. I mean, obviously – Which is incredible to say after what, how they started, huh? Well, especially considering I think everybody thought Justin Fuentes was going to be fired. We did. I know I did for sure. Yeah, what a remarkable turnaround. Um, going to Washington State, Washington. What what a 
What a disappointment for us, right? I, as guys that that really love Anthony Gordon, that would I was going to say, what a disappointment uh, for you specifically. You're an Anthony yeah, Gordon stan. I'm such a stan of Anthony Gordon. Another guy that's going to be overlooked in the NFL draft at quarterback. But what a horrible game for Washington State. <laughs> uh, ultimately, both teams came into this one six and five. Washington just dominated. Um, and what's weird is like when you look at the offensive statistics. Washington didn't even really do that much. Um, right. It's very the two turnover, the two interceptions really killed Washington State. Absolutely. And, and really killed them. And it it just sort of set them back and their defense couldn't really do much to stop Washington once they had short field. Um and, and so, you know, that's a shame of an end of a season. Mike Leach, you know, I you wonder what what Mike Leach's future is, but but really more importantly, um Chris Peterson out of nowhere decides to retire. Uh, from Washington and their defensive coordinator Jimmy Lake takes over but what is strange uh, Chris Peterson's 55 years old um, right and what was even weirder is during his press conference he said he's still going to be around the team uh, he's still going to help like coach he's just not going to be the head coach um, and like like you said he's only 55 but by all accounts he's like one of the most in shape 55 year olds like there is like you ever have seen right like he's kind of like in that Pete Carroll mold where i think Pete Carroll's like pushing 70 years old but Pete he look- Carroll is over 70 years old right exactly right. and so chris peterson is very built in that fashion so to see him step down i mean you can never blame a guy because the game of football especially college football so takes you away from your family you're always on the recruiting trail so i can see that it it could get old and you know i think washington's probably in a good situation anyway with jimmy lake uh, he's one of the better defensive coordinators in the country uh, i'll be interested to see what jacob eason decides to do now uh, um i don't think after the year that he's had you could tell me that he's going to be a third like top three round NFL draft pick Mm. just based on his talent alone. So those are the sorts of things like I'm interested to see with them moving forward, but seven and five feels disappointing for Washington. And that's, that's a good sign for where the program's at. If seven and five is a disappointing year for you. uh, And this was by all accounts coming into it, pretty much a rebuilding year. I mean, they probably thought their offense was going to be a little more explosive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the defense is going to be a year older next year with uh, a lot of guys who were new faces this year getting a lot of run. Right. So, you know, I think, that again, next year, I think Washington's right back in it in the Pac-12 hunt. If somehow Eason does decide to stick around, I think that's certainly the case. Um, right. You know, because I, I would think that he'll have a better season next year with, with one year under his belt here. It's just surprising to me with Peterson to see him gone, you know, just because I, I think he's – for both of us, he's one of our favorite coaches in college football. Um, but I guess when you spend, I mean, he spent nine years at Boise State as the head coach. He spent six years here at Washington as the head coach. That's 15 straight years being a head coach of a program where for a long time at Boise State, that was the top group of five program, right? So there were expectations every year, year in and year out to recruit the best talent in the group of five, you know, to go out and win a bunch of games. And living that lifestyle can be really taxing on a human being, regardless of how like in shape, quote unquote, they are. So mentally the guy's just exhausted. Right. I'm, I'm sort of proud of him for, for making that decision. I know that we sometimes criticize other coaches, but it's because I didn't believe urban Meyer when he says he wants to be with his family. Right. Like you don't <laughs> believe that with Chris Peterson. I believe that, you know what, maybe the guy's just a little burnt out. And I, I think it's pretty cool 
that they had this plan in place where he's going to coach through the bowl game and then Jimmy Lake, his defensive coordinator, is just going to take over and that staff's going to try to continue on without him. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, moving on to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. This is a boat race. Uh, Oklahoma just dominated this one. Yeah. Um, it wasn't particularly close. I think they really wanted to kind of show their dominance in this. Um, not only show Oklahoma State that they're absolutely still little brother, but on the other hand, I think that they needed sort of a signature win over what was a ranked team at the time um, in Oklahoma State and show like, yeah, no, 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 we're much, much better than anybody outside the top 10. Um, and I think that that's what this game was. They went at 34 to 16. Chuba Hubbard still had 24 carries for over 100 yards, uh, but even he couldn't get much going because they tried to essentially just take him away. Um, you know, do you have any thoughts on, on Oklahoma and Oklahoma state? Um, it feels like a little too little too late for Oklahoma. Cause like, even you, you said they dominated this game, but it, it was like the game was never close and it was never in question. No, but at the same time, like Oklahoma to me just doesn't look like a good, like a, a, not, they definitely look like a great college football team, but they do not look like uh, a a playoff caliber football team, uh, consistently. Sure. Um, I agree with you. And when we get into the polls and stuff later on, we can talk about, you know, playoffs and that sort of thing. But, you know, Jalen Hurts had his normal – I mean, 13 of 16 for 163 yards through the air. I mean, like, whatever, right? Like, that. okay. <laughs> right. Um, I, I just – I don't know if it's like a, like a Jalen Hurts thing as well. Like, I just – because I like Jalen Hurts. But I think the problems that have plagued him at Bama – that got his job taken by Tua Tagovailoa. Mm-hmm. I I don't think they've gone away. I think he's still very limited as a passer down the field. Yeah. Um. And I I don't know, man. Like he's just kind of boring to watch. Like not <laughs> boring because it's Oklahoma's offense, but it's just like he kind of lulls you to sleep a little bit. I don't I don't know. Like he's like the James yeah. Harden of fo- of, of college football. Oh gosh. You know how much I hate watching James Harden, but that's actually a pretty good – and I like Jalen Hurts, but that's not a horrible comparison in that he really just kind of chips away at you, which is not a bad thing, um, and, it, and it would be especially not a bad thing for Oklahoma if, if, if their defense was legitimately good. But their defense is not legitimately good. Their defense is fine. They played well in this one. No, they played really well against Oklahoma State, but, th- but their defense is just fine. And so I think you're right. It's, that's the perfect word to describe it is they're, they're just fine. They're yeah. a fine defense. Yeah. Right. They're not, like, dominant by any means. Um, you know, do I think that Jalen Hurts does enough to beat all but, you know, maybe those top five or six teams? Yeah. Like this Oklahoma team. And he has consistently this year anyway. Right. He, for that matter, he's consistently done it for his entire career. Right. Uh, that being said, um, this, was, this was a statement win in one way. And in another way, you're, you're not wrong that aesthetically it was just like, all right. Like <laughs> you watched it. You got done. I mean, I watched actually the majority of this game and I got done watching it and I was like, yeah, okay. That's about what I would expect. You know, right. it wasn't like years past with Oklahoma where with Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray, you just went, I don't know if anyone can stop them. Like, yeah, they had losses those years, but they were scoring, you know, 50 points in those losses. Yeah, but that's I my point. That's exactly my point. Way. Like, I feel like, yes, Lincoln Riley is going to, to scheme them, that team with the athleticism around Hurts into 30-plus every week, but I don't feel the same way about the explosiveness where I go, huh, if this Oklahoma team did play LSU 
maybe they could take advantage. Like, no, I don't really feel that having watched this team. Right, and that's my thing is if we get, like, if all things fell this way and we got it in Ohio State one, Oklahoma four matchup, I firmly believe Ohio State wins that game by 30 points or more. Well, I don't know by 30 points, but I, I think a lot of people, I think because of the name brand and because we recognize quarterback named Jalen Hurts, I think people would assume that game is a lot closer than it actually would be when that's not, that's not a very close matchup. Those two teams are, are leagues apart this season. Um, so the best defense that, the best two defenses that Oklahoma has played this year were Baylor and TCU, correct? Like, we can agree right. on that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Baylor held them to 34 points, uh, and it wasn't like it took out that miracle second half run. At one point, right. they had three points going into the, the, the second half. Right. And TCU held them to 28 points. Now, Oklahoma won both of those games. Yeah, but, but that's not... if you're playing Ohio State, that's right. That's not gonna... a. I'm not even confident they could beat Clemson. It like I think. Oh, I don't think that they could beat any of those top three teams. I really don't. Yeah. Believe that. Um, I I don't. Um, now could they ultimately end up being the number four? And what am I going to have like a huge issue if it shakes out that way? Because you know the, the right things happen to where they deserve it. But no, of course not. But right. I just don't think that they stand much of a chance in terms of being a complete team against those. I mean, when you think about what you just said, uh, not to always go back to what you know we talk about as, as UCF guys, right? But like even last year, when you talk about like explosiveness of playmakers and things like that, like uh, against an LSU defense last year, Daryl Mack as a backup quarterback was able to put up 30 plus against LSU with UCF. Like, Getting to thirty, yeah, that would be that would be Oklahoma's best bet is facing off against LSU. LSU I believe. for sure. Yeah. yeah, I agree. We'll talk but, about that. We can talk about the playoff match, potential playoff matchups at the end, though. Yeah, yeah. All of that. Sorry, all of that was just to say twenty-eight and thirty-four points is like not impressive in this day of college football. And Herm Edwards fired his offensive coordinator before because of it. He said, "Hey, we were scoring in the twenties. We got to score in the thirties. That's college football now." So yeah, and then let's go higher. <laughs> and then let's go higher. Uh, well. Yeah. yeah, Hugh Jackson or whatever. Hugh Jackson. Anyway. That'll definitely solve your problems, term. Speaking of problems, Michigan. Ha, <laughs> ha, <laughs> you guys. They uh, they uh, had me fooled in that first quarter. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, same actually. They they really actually, to be quite honest with you, they were very much in this game and just shot themselves right in the foot. Ah, they, as Michigan under Jim Harbaugh is one to do. Yeah, they really just choked this one away early, and then Ohio State, being as good as they were, took advantage. I mean, you can't. You can't give Ohio State multiple opportunities to to win football games. Like so, this is this has been said ad nauseum, uh, like over the last year or two about the Michigan program. But Harbaugh just does not do like he's a great coach. I, no, I'll take that back. Jim Harbaugh is a good coach, a very good coach. I, I'm sorry, this is John Harbaugh, isn't it? No, this is Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, yeah, that's yeah. right. I'm sorry. John Harbaugh is doing a great job at Baltimore. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Jim Harbaugh is a good coach. Uh, but when he faces a team with greater talent or a coach who is better than him, he loses, he loses every by time. a lot oftentimes. Yeah. And, and every time. Yeah. So, and that has happened. I, I mean, like Michigan is one of the most talented teams in the country year in and year out, just because it's Michigan. Yep. And he still can't get this team above 10 and three. Um, Yeah. Because he loses to the three most talented teams on his schedule every year. Ohio State, right. Notre Dame, 
Wisconsin. And then some combination right. of Penn State, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, or uh, what's the other one? Michigan State. Yeah, sometimes the rivalry game there. Yeah, And I, so I don't know at what point Michigan looks in the mirror and says, you know, this isn't good enough. But it feels to me like with the talent they've had that they've had in that program, mm-hmm. that they should feel like it's not good enough. Because well, I, there's a good comparison, I think. Last week we talked about Nebraska under Bo Pelini. Now, Bo Pelini was a jerk, right? Jim Harbaugh represents exactly what Michigan wants. He's a former, he's a Michigan guy, blah, 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 blah. He's blah. also a jerk, too, if we're being 100% honest. <laughs> sure. But Bo Pelini was like a real, he was a class A jerk. So it was a little bit different. But, Nebraska got to a right. point, and that was Nebraska, where they weren't recruiting at the same level that this Michigan team is. And they were going, nah, eight, nine wins every year, that's not enough for us. And this Michigan uh, reign, where they're still getting top 10 recruiting classes nearly every season, to just accept, hey, well, you know, it's 10 wins, and most years is at least a New Year's Six game because we're Michigan. To me, that doesn't feel acceptable. Um, this isn't going to be a New Year's Six Bowl Michigan team uh it should have been it's a damn shame Florida won so many games this year we got robbed of our annual Michigan Florida rat matchup oh god kill me Uh, Felipe Franks is healthy we're getting that matchup but fucking Kyle Trask just had to go and be (laughs) consistent be actually okay yeah Uh, speaking of Felipe Franks have fun transferring but um I will say that he say he's transferring yeah he's transferring well sorry Felipe Frank said he's either going to go to the NFL or he's going to transfer. I'd rather see him just try and make it in the NFL personally. Yeah. I, I mean, what, I don't think it's he's only going to hurt his draft stock. I, actually, that might be wrong. Never mind. I keep going. I'm sorry. Whatever. Anyway, you should go to Oklahoma. Oh, God. Kill me. Uh, so <laughs> and now I'm just thinking about that. Okay. But back to Michigan. I, I, I am, I don't understand how they just accept it. Um, you know, I got a bunch of, I have a, one of my very best friends is a Michigan fan. I've referenced him multiple times on this podcast and he seemed to be, you know, so, uh, okay with that loss and just like, well, we had him close and he was frustrated. He was beyond frustrated that they choked it away. He was beyond frustrated with that because he felt like, Oh, we're not, that, that wasn't a off. choke away. I'm sorry. Oh, I got to right. stop you there. That no, was no, no, not no. a choke. No, away. But, but, but in the second quarter they choked and then the floodgates opened. So he felt like, you know, if you keep playing it close, it's the thing we've talked about all year. Justin Fields hasn't played a close game yet. Like he, he felt as though at home in weird weather, if they kept it close, maybe they could have squeaked it out, even though they were the worst team. And just to be in that space, just like feel like that's all right is, is weird to me. It's a weird change in expectation for Michigan that you don't expect. And I, I frankly think it's pretty disappointing. So in the last 19 years, from 2000 to 2019, mm-hmm. how many times do you think Michigan has beaten Ohio State? Five times, maybe? Three times. Three times beat. this century? Yeah, w- once in 2000. So that one almost barely doesn't, doesn't even count. Even count. Uh, one time they upset them in 2003. Uh, number five, Michigan defeated number four, Ohio State at the time in 2003. And then in 2011, they won as an, as the as the overwhelming favorite, um, thirty to four, forty to thirty four. Every other time, Ohio. So when did Jim Harbaugh take over at Michigan? Do you remember off the top of your head? Ooh, I want to say it was like twenty thirteen. Let me check just to make one hundred percent certain. Hold on. 
I'm trying to think, but I think I thought he has he was, been the Michigan head coach since right? 2015. 2015. Wow. I thought These are the results against Ohio State. <laughs> number eight Ohio State versus number ten Michigan in Ann Arbor, 42 to 13. Ew. 2016 in Columbus, number two Ohio State versus number three Michigan, 30 to 27 in double overtime. Ohio State wins that one. Oh, wow. Ann Arbor, 2017. Number nine, Ohio State versus unranked Michigan, 31 to 20. Mm. Then you had the big one last year. Right. Number 10, Ohio State, who was eliminated from the playoffs at that point because they had a loss to Purdue. Yep. Number four, Michigan, fighting for their playoff lives. And literally, if they had won that game, they would have been in the playoff. That one killed them. They lost 62 to 39. That one was unbelievable. I and then this year, number one, Ohio State, number 13, Michigan, 56-27, like we saw. Right. Jim Harbaugh's 0-4 against Ohio State. It's only been close once. I guess your problem from here, if you're Michigan, is who do you hire that you think is going to do a better job? So it's like Michigan. You know who they should call, in all seriousness? Please, tell me. Urban Meyer. Oh, my God. All right. We're <laughs> no, I'm not even going to do it. Auburn, the world Alabama. would explode. No, I'm not going to do it. Auburn, Alabama. Auburn, Auburn, 48, Alabama. I'm, I'm literally just moving past it. I will not even consider that idea. Auburn, 48, Alabama, 45. Thank God. Right? Like, yeah, they say uh, Auburn saved America from a shitty, like, backdoor Alabama slips into the playoffs situation. I mean, for real. And I think we both anticipated that Auburn would win this game. How about... Based off the stat from last week, how about that? The last eight games now that Alabama's played where they're less than a seven-point favorite. They've lost, they've, yeah. They're, they're three and five in those eight games. Did you see the get-up segment about is Nick Saban losing his magic? Oh, God. People want to re- overreact to every Alabama loss so much. Well, because it, it, Alabama is, is Alabama's LeBron, right? Alabama's right. People just want to see them fail. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Alabama is one of those. They're the Warriors of the last number of years, the Heat before that. They are the dynasty, um, and they are not a they're not a lovable dynasty. Nick Saban is not exactly like the lovable hero in this, right? Um, but that being said, I mean, let's be real: two pick sixes from a backup quarterback on the road at Auburn, and you still only lost by three. And Do you, you think ha- he played bad outside of the two pick sixes? No, I like. Don't. Yeah, I, I think he actually think he played, played pretty well. He played very well, but those are the types of mistakes that that Tua you expect, make. right? Yeah, the, and the ones that Tua doesn't make. I mean, like, let's be real about it. Um, and for that matter, you had another missed field goal. You know, I saw a stat that since I want to say, yeah, since Nick Saban took over, since Nick Saban took over at Auburn, uh, Alabama in two thousand and seven, I want to say it was, they have a hundred and nine missed field goals, which is eight more than any other program in the FBS. Yeah, that's insane. It's insane. Like, we always make the joke that Alabama kicking has been their detriment over the number of years. You know, we remember this game. What's crazy? With the kick six a number of years. Yeah. Well, constant issues at the kicker position. It's wild. You want to know what's even crazier to me? Tell me. Is it? Is that they've had this? They've had these problems at, at kicker. Like it's basically been a crutch or a handicap mm-hmm. for the other team, and they've still been on this like dominant. Right. Like it's not even really mattered. Right. It's never mattered. The fact that they've been so 
freaking good that they've never even really needed field goals late in games. Right. Like, and we always see what happens. What's even weirder. Years. What's even weirder. It's not like they're not getting high level kicking recruits. Like they're getting the best kicker almost every signing class. Uh, not always. Uh, there's a, there was a whole article recently about like the kids that they end up getting that a lot of them end up being like discarded from one thing or another because of this or that. And they, they remember a few years ago, they went hard after Eddie Pinheiro. Uh, who right, was, they ended did. Up in Florida, and they didn't get him. And then I, I think, was that either right before or right after the kick six? Like I, that I was right, right after. after. Um, so it's it's one of those things where it's a bizarre thing for them. But all of that being said, I mean, how about Auburn? How about both? We 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 said it, man. They they had to get one of these at some they point this year. They had to. What an what a the the best nine and three team of all time. They might be, dude. And, and all like all jokes like, aside, their three losses are to. Hold on, let me bring up. Isn't it LSU? It's LSU, Georgia, and, and the Gators. Yeah, they lost to. If you're just strictly looking at the AP poll, Auburn's three losses this year came to the number four. No, I'm sorry, the number yeah. one, four, and seven team in the country. Correct, and all of them and, were <laughs> not super close. I think they got kind of beat by no they were they were all kind of close they lost right. 24 to 13 to florida oh, yeah. that was the yeah that, that, that was, was the, the widest close, margin yeah, right that was the widest margin and they were right in that game they I lost they got, by a field goal on the road to lsu and they lost by seven at home to georgia right and that and that florida game was really bo nix's first big road test and nine and three also includes so it includes those three losses to top 10 teams it also includes two wins against top 10 teams against what? They're the best nine and three team of all time. I'm saying it right now. Yeah, they're the they best are. nine and three team of all time. I'm they're interested to see how they'll look next year with a lot of these guys on defense gone, but Bo Nix a year ahead. Right. Well, they take uh, they take the mantle of nine and three. Uh, my favorite nine and three team ever. Over, I want to say it was 2016 USC with Sam Darnold. Yeah, at, as a freshman when they went to the Rose Bowl and beat Penn State. Uh, so new, new best nine and three team of all time is Auburn. Congratulations to them. Uh, we'll be sending out the trophy in a couple of days, but, uh, <laughs> all that being said, you know, I, the one thing that I will say that I do take away from this game and then we can move on uh, to our previews for next week. The thing that I find most interesting about this is Alabama really has started to struggle defensively, even with a lot of studs. And I know that the, you know, that's the whole, is Nick Saban's magic gone, whatever. It's not. They're still going to go out. They'll probably win the national championship next season. But uh, in a lot of these games where they're facing relatively dynamic quarterbacks, they've struggled, like, a lot. They gave up a yeah. ton of points to LSU. They gave up a ton of points to Auburn. In, in the playoff games in years past, they've been giving up a ton of points and you wonder, you know, does Alabama – now, their offense has been crazy, so there's no way to really uh, make this compare. But, like, LSU basically just decided this year for whatever reason, all right, we're just going to outscore everybody. Like, we have, we have these studs on defense, but our plan is just to outscore everyone. You wonder if the mentality in terms of how you approach a game does need to evolve because college football is going that way. So that's the one thing I will be interested to see. Uh, in this, the next chapter here of Nick Saban, where the last time it dipped down, I want to say that it was like when they lost to Trevor Knight in the Sugar Bowl. Right. And then they went on a run of, they went to like, what, four straight championships? They have like, not missed the playoffs since that. 
Right. Yeah. And so from here, will it be the same type of, all right, we're just going to come right back up and go to four or five straight, you know, playoffs or, you know, is this a little bit of a chink in the army? It'll be interesting to see, but I, I highly doubt it. They had a hobbled Tua against the number one team in the country and they lost by three points on the road to their rival with a backup quarterback. So I don't exactly think that Bama's like that far gone. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to the quick hitters. Jeremy, I have a question for you. Let's hear it. We've not talked about Kentucky uh, all year, not, really, on this show. Probably not one time. Um, do you know, have you seen what Lynn Bowden Jr. has done for Kentucky? No. All right, so, no, <laughs> so to start the year, uh, Kentucky had, uh, what was his name, Terry – Terry something. I just had the name on his his name on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> I, Holy I don't shit. Know. Terry Wilson. That was there his name. You go. Terry Wilson was the starting quarterback for Kentucky heading into the year. Right. Very limited as a passer, but an explosive runner. He was a transfer from Oregon two years ago. Okay. He gets hurt, I believe, in week two mm-hmm. against Eastern Michigan. So the next week against Florida, they start Sawyer Smith, or uh, I believe that was his name, a, a white kid, uh, more of a pocket passer. <laughs> okay. Uh, he gets hurt in week five against South Carolina. Okay. Kentucky is two and three at this point. They look about as bad as we said they would be in our preview after losing all the talent that they lost last year, mm-hmm. notably Josh Allen and Benny Snell, who are both playing very well in the NFL. Lynn Bowden. So after Sawyer Smith gets hurt and Terry Wilson is gone for the year already, they turn the offense over to their best wide receiver, Lynn Bowden Jr. Yeah, I didn't even know this was happening. So he's been playing quarterback. He's been playing quarterback for Kentucky since week six. This is crazy. I'm sorry. His first start came in week seven. Uh, No, it was in week six against Arkansas. Yeah. So since he's taken over at quarterback, Kentucky is one, two, three, four, five, five and two. What the? So there's, they are now with this win over Louisville. They're now seven and five on the season. How is everyone in America not talking about this? I know that clearly. Listen to these. Listen to these numbers, dude. Listen to these numbers. If I didn't know this was happening, then I understand that other people don't either. But what in the world's going on? What are the numbers? Listen to the numbers. All right, versus Arkansas, he had. Seven of 11 passing for 78 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. But, th- and this is what, what makes it crazy, 24 rushes for 196 yards and two touchdowns. Good God. The next week against Georgia, two of 15 passing for 17 yards. 17 carries for 99 yards. And I don't know if you remember, but that game was actually a lot closer than yeah, like it, it should have been. It was it was pouring rain, all that kind of stuff. And they were driving with the ball at the end of the game to win. This is insanity. Uh, at How home against mean? Missouri, three of seven passing for 54 yards, 21 carries for 204 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> I, 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 In a win. Okay. <laughs> home, against, home against Tennessee, four of seven for 57 yards, or for 25 yards and an interception. But he also had 26 carries for 114 yards. Unbelievable. Then they go on the road to Vanderbilt. And this, this is probably his best, most complete game of the season. Mm-hmm. Eight of 10 passing for 104 yards and one touchdown, no interceptions. To go along with 17 carries for 110 yards and another touchdown. How even? Listen, okay. 
And this is my final one. I'm going to skip over to Tennessee Martin because, like, who cares about who cares? that game? Okay. But this week against Louisville, okay. who is a good team. I think yeah, you well, and me both agree. Louisville is a solid team. They're yeah, not well, great. They're not even really good, but they're a solid yeah. football team. Louisville had a good season to where performing well against them would be impressive. Right. He went one of two passing for four yards okay. as the starting quarterback on this team. Okay. Do you know how much he ran for? Are you looking at it? I want to go look at it, but I'll no, always, no, no, no. All right. Listen to this. I see Do you want to guess? Score. Do you want to guess? I'll, I'll tell you how many carries he had. Okay. He had 22 carries. How many yards? A buck 15. Okay. And how many touchdowns? 52. They scored 40. Well, no, hold on. He's got to have at least three, I would think, right? He finished 22 carries for 284 yards and four touchdowns. Get the fuck out of here. That's a fucking grown What's man happening? performance. What's happening here? No one's talking about it. Not How- a single person is talking about Lynn Bowden Jr. We need to start having the conversation. We just need to change our, our, our Twitter accounts to Lynn Bowden fan accounts and just, and they just make that in. I had no idea this was happening, and I'm so glad we brought it up whatever, you know, 30-something minutes into this podcast. This is unbelievable. All right. So that's that's my first quick hitter. Focus on the rest of this podcast now? I know. It's crazy, bro. It's it's insane. I had no idea. All right. Um, My second quick hitter, Hawaii 52. Oh, I'm sorry. Hawaii 52, Army 31. Hawaii is now 9-4 and playing in the the Mountain West Championship game against uh, Boise this week. Yeah, there's a possibility this is an 11 win Hawaii team if they win the conference championship in their bowl game. <laughs> you know, we you loved especially I, I I say we, but really you loved Hawaii going into this season. And remember, they had a couple of big, uh, a couple Pac-12 of 12 wins early, right? Didn't they beat they beat? No, it wasn't Cal, but I forget who it they was. Beat Arizona early. and uh, oh God, who was the other one? Oregon on. State. Yes, which were you know nice quality wins for a Hawaii team. Uh it is interesting that they could get to to ten wins after a win over Boise State. God, they could get they to eleven win. wins if they win their bowl game. That'd be nice. Uh and what's your last one? Uh let's see. Clemson thirty eight, South Carolina three. I'm just bringing this up because everyone's shitting on Dabo for his comments this week. Uh, about we got to go 30-0 and 0 if we want to get in the playoff. They want to drop us out after beating a team to beat Georgia. Georgia's staying at four. I, while I don't like college football coaches, especially one in Dabo's position where he makes as much money as he does, yeah. and the program is the level at what in which it is at, Sure. Uh, in all honesty, he's 100% right. He's totally right. Because there is a there is a legitimate argument that despite not playing anyone all season, Clemson might still be the best team in the country. It is kind of insane. Like he's not wrong in that. Right. So he's like, not. well, and so look, Alabama's schedule was tougher, and that clearly, you know, they lost two games. They played LSU and Auburn. Those are two tougher games. But Clemson crushed every. Yep. They, like, did it sluggishly the first few weeks, so we all stopped watching. But they're the defending national champions and brought back their entire offense that just annihilated an Alabama defense that had pros all over it. They brought back that entire offense. It's actually performed at the end of the year now just about as well as we thought it would have. 
and the defense has been really right. solid. And because they haven't really played everyone and because everybody likes to make fun of the ACC, which they should, it's not a good conference, but he's not totally wrong. Like, like, uh, because like think about, think about how we felt. No, seriously. Think about how we felt last year when UCF was 25 and zero going into the, the, this situation, they were 25 and zero going into this situation. And we felt like they were tremendously underrated and they were at eight. If we're going to be totally real, Clemson won the national championship in the playoff. They won the invitational. They won the whole thing. They went, they beat the teams in the playoff and they did it with NFL superstars all over both sides of the ball. And now they're undefeated again. And they're three. It is kind of crazy when you really think about what that is. The defending national champions brought back their quarterback and their entire offense have gone undefeated. And we're just like, ah, no, they're definitely third. And if they slip up even a little against Virginia, they're out. Like that's right. And I've been, I've been beating the drama all year of like, oh, even if you're the defending national champion, that doesn't owe you anything. But but if you're the defending national champion and you're blowing everybody out, you can't help who you're playing. And it, like right. and, I would and that becomes and we'll get there. But they I played one close game all season. All one season, right? Yeah, they've been dominant from start to finish. They're to, these top three teams are just simply in a league of their own. It, right, it's, it's crazy. But all right, going to my quick hitters, and I actually will make them quick. Uh, Warren I four <laughs> UCF thirty four seven over University of South Florida. I'll say West South. Florida. It's West Florida. Uh, shout out them boys nine and three. I mean, as disappointed as we are, nine and three is a, a dang good season. Got a chance for a tenth in a bowl game. Uh, which coach, real quick? Which coach, if USF hires them, would you be the most terrified of? Like, just in general? Like, uh, like UCF, USF hires this coach. You think to yourself, "Wow, we might be fucked moving forward." Graham Harrell. Uh, yep. I, you know that that's my correct only answer. answer. It's my only answer. For everything, always. Uh, but yeah, great game uh, from from the UCF guys. Honestly, on both sides of the ball, it was pretty cool to watch them dominate that way. Uh, going to a guy who won a couple of Warren I four matchups, uh, Scott Frost in Nebraska. Huh. Oh, tw- it was twenty seven twenty four at home uh, with a. That would have made them bowl eligible, no? Right for a chance for bowl eligibility, they lose on a. Uh, game you really hate to see that. Iowa. You do hate to see it. I will say. Uh, and I'm just going to point it out. Frost, in his first two years here at Nebraska, uh, has yet to win as many games in a season as he won in his first year at UCF, coming off 0-12. And and people that respond to that with, well, it's easier to win at UCF. They played the same amount of ranked teams this year as they played that year. Really Uh, makes you think. You know, and he's just lost it a little bit, I think. Lost lost a little velocity on the fastball. Uh, Honestly, I hope not. I hope they turn it around. Uh, And then lastly... I just want to give Tennessee some credit. Tennessee 28, Vanderbilt 10. It's not about that win. They started two and five. They won five in a row. They're seven and five. Tennessee's had a tremendous season, all yeah. things considered. They, what a really great turnaround. And I, Tennessee is doing everything that Nebraska wishes they were doing with yeah, I, their really, second year head coach. Yeah, they really, really turned it around in year two. Um, and I'm just, I'm pretty impressed with that. And I think that Tennessee sort of deserves a little nod there. You wanted to shout out Kentucky. We have, we've hardly talked about Tennessee either. Um, it's mostly because when those, it's our anti SEC bias, it, it really is. I think we're, we are the most <laughs> anti SEC college football podcast. We talk about the SEC at the bare minimum. Um, but, 
Yeah, I just and we still talk them. about them a lot more than we should constantly. Uh, all right, so news, just real quick, three quick notes. Uh, Gabe Davis going pro from UCF. Just want to shout out uh, him. To crazy me. wide receiver draft this year, dude. It's if your team, such a ridiculous. If your NFL team needs wide receivers right now, that you couldn't ask for a better situation. It's the best draft maybe ever for <laughs> wide receivers. I saw a mock draft. You know, you and I have talked about. We think Gabe Davis is a first or second round talent purely as like a receiver. He might not have the forty yard dash for it, which is stupid. Like when you really think about that. But uh, I saw a mock draft today that was three rounds that had. 18 receivers going and not one of them was named to Gabe Davis. And that's insane to me. Uh, there's not 18 receivers better than Gabe Davis, but nonetheless, uh, to me, as great as Traquan Smith was as a complete wide receiver, Gabe Davis is the most singularly dominant receiver in UCF history. Uh, and it was a pleasure to watch him play for the Knights. I hope he plays in the bowl game, but also like if he decides not to good for him, go get your money. Um, then uh, Clay Helton is staying at USC, which is like a gigantic shock. According to Yahoo, yeah, let's... Yeah, sorry. So let's say that that's, <clears throat> that's according to Pat Forty at Yahoo. That's also according to Bruce Feldman at Fox Sports. Uh, both of them have said that he's going to be staying. Um, an absolute shock. Like an absolute shock to me that they've retained Clay Helton. They finished ranked. I mean, there's no reason that they should I think the goal in, I think the goal in keeping Helton is also keeping Harrell. Yeah, probably just... And then keep, hoping, like, if shit falls off the rails next year, they can just promote Harrell. I guess, but it, it, that's that's a risky decision. Because um, Harrell could leave, yeah. Right, why not just give the reins to Harrell if that's the guy you want for the future? But nonetheless... Um, that's the old Atlanta Falcons quandary. Well, why not it, just give the job to Kyle Shanahan? Right, and what, and what sucks... <laughs> what <laughs> sucks for, for Clay Helton and USC, you know, oh, if things fall apart, they play Bama to start the year next year. An angry Alabama. Slick though, slick though, Kadon Slovis. I, I, you know, how great would it be if Alabama started zero one with a loss to Kadon Slovis, Graham Harrell, and USC? Oh, uh, that would be very on brand. That would be good for oh, our brand man. specifically. It'd be so great for no one else but our brand. Uh, and then last, speaking of Alabama and their future for next year, Tua's having a press conference tomorrow. Got to imagine that means he's he gone. Leaving. You got to imagine that means he's leaving. He gone. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> That's that. Um, all right. Time. Wow. We took far too long. Time to preview some games. Uh, we can make these quick. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's start. I, I guess we're going chronologically, right? And, uh, no, maybe we're not. But either way. No, uh, we're not in chronological That's order, fine. Sorry. Whatever. But this is the Friday night game. So uh, it's Utah and Oregon um, on Fox. Uh, that is the Pac-12 title game. Obviously, what we're going to do here is is the six... Uh, the Power Six championship games, and then we'll give you quick picks at the end for the other ones. Um, so uh, Utah and Oregon, um, you know, what are your thoughts here right off the bat with Utah and Oregon? Um, so we both have Utah in this game, according to our pick sheet, and I'm going to say why I have Utah, and then, like, you can decide if you want to add anything yeah. or we can move on. Yeah. Uh, Utah has just been the more consistent team on both sides of the ball all season. Uh, Tyler Huntley is probably the best quarterback in the Pac-12 this year. Um, He's been Zach great. Moss is about as good as a pacer for your offense as you could hope for mm -hmm. at running back. And they're just, they're just so good on both sides of the ball. This is going to be a very close game, and I think it's going to be an interesting watch. Uh, but that being said, like Utah desperately needs to win this game. Right. Um, and Oregon, you know... It's still a trip to the Rose. Like, I mean, even if they lose, they're going to the Rose Bowl. Right. 
That's and the thing. There's they, no chance of them good. going to the play. I I just think Utah is going to be too motivated. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's – and I just think they're the better team just flat out. So, yeah. I'm going Utah. So, all year long, you and I have talked about how Utah, how great Utah's defense is, right? That they've just been the best defense of the Pac-12. Oregon's had a really good defense throughout the season. Cal actually had a really good defense. Um, and they've challenged. But Utah's been the best defense of the Pac-12. But here are some stats, and, and, I, and I feel bad because I forget. I, I copy and pasted this and sent it in a text message. So, I'm going back that way. I forget who tweeted this out, and I apologize to whoever did. But uh, Tyler Huntley has a 16-2 touchdown-to-interception ratio. He's got a better yards per attempt than Burrow and a higher passer rating than Trevor Lawrence. So as good as their defense has been, Tyler Huntley has had an incredible season. And it's crazy, too, because when you look at the numbers, when you look at the numbers, it doesn't look that good, like counting stats-wise, but it's exactly what you're saying. It's the efficiency. with which he plays right. he's and the perfect quarterback for this team too right well it's the thing that we just talked about it, it's almost like he's doing the Jalen Hurts thing better than Jalen Hurts and with a better defense which right. again we'll get to the rankings but he's been great for Utah and and I think that as much as I, I'm actually a pretty big Justin Herbert fan more than most I think people really like to hate on Justin Herbert for no you and me are bigger Justin Herbert fans than the wider internet public yeah yeah the internet public does not like Justin Herbert uh, because that's the popular opinion to have is oh Justin Herbert's actually terrible yeah yeah he's, he's not he's a really he's, good quarterback and no, would I be good. shocked if he went out and showed out and beat Utah like no I wouldn't be at all but Utah's been the better team all year long, and we can go based off of that and say, all right, they're going to win the game. Um, all right, moving to the ACC title game. I mean, there's nothing to say here. Clemson's going to crush Virginia. I- I'd love to see Bryce Perkins put up a fight, and maybe they will early, but I don't see a world that Virginia Whew. can hang with Clemson, right? Uh, do you want to know? So the spread on this game is 28 and a half points. Oh, my God. Which feels ridiculous. What? All right, at least all right. At least put the money on Virginia then. Yeah, I think Virginia at least covers the spread. Good they they're God. they're given five percent on matchup predictor based on FPI to win the game. Oh um, God. Now would it half? Jesus Christ. Now would it surprise me if Clemson won by thirty five? No, no, not at all. But it does feel a little rich for my blood. It just seems silly. But I agree with you. I think Clemson's going to win. I think they win probably close to around, you know, 35-17. Yeah, 40, you know, 42-21. Where it's never in doubt. Right, exactly. Right. You know, they'll, they'll take – if it's 14-7 at the end of the first quarter, it's going to feel close enough. But eventually, they just they, – The talent Virginia, will separate yeah, at some point. They just don't have the athletes. They don't have the athletes. So. Which gets us into our next game because uh, you could say the exact same thing here in the Big Ten title game. Considering Ohio State watched it. Yeah, exactly. Ohio State versus Wisconsin. Okay, now even weirder is that the spread for this game is only 16 and a half when we've already seen Ohio State win this game by 31. Well, it's because everybody likes to act like Wisconsin gets better. Wisconsin's just Michigan, but a little bit better. It drives me... They're just Michigan, but in red. If if I could just literally... if, If I could eliminate three things from this earth... It would be Wisconsin football, it would be Michigan football, and it would be Donald Trump. If I could eliminate those three things, Jesus my life would Christ. be stress-free. Stress-free. And I do it in that order. 
I'd go Wisconsin football, then Michigan football, then Donald Trump. My, my life would be so stress-free. I'm, I, obviously, I'm being facetious. But these two teams drive me absolutely insane. And we just keep acting like they're good. Why is Wisconsin rated as high as they are? They Wisconsin start- is ranked eighth in the country right now. I don't, I don't get world? that. I don't in get that. What world are they the eighth best team in the country? I, in what world are they a top 10 team in the country? In I don't. what world? I don't get it. Watching these games. Who's watching Wisconsin and being like, yeah, 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 that's the eighth best team in the country for sure. Get out of here. They're it's- eighth in the college football playoff poll and 10th in the AP. It, it, it drives me up a freaking wall. Why? 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 Because they beat Iowa, Nebraska, Purdue, and Minnesota. And like, look, I'll give you credit. Beating Minnesota the way that they did last week was really cool. Going into Minnesota, a team that was, you know, the team of destiny. It was the team of destiny. They could have gone to the playoff all or the, the championship also. Dude. Minnesota was hanging on by a thread at that point. You know what I just realized? That win makes you eighth in the country. You know what I just realized? We're going to have to watch watch Wisconsin in the fucking Rose Bowl. This is, this sucks. Everything sucks. Everything sucks. Uh, All right. So Ohio State wins, right? Ohio State wins. Yeah, big time. And and they cover. Yeah, they Look, cover. I don't think Clemson will cover. I think Ohio State will. Here's what I'll give you. It's Ryan Day's first big game as a coach. Like, not first big game, but it's his first, like, you know, winning your into the playoff game as a coach. Uh, and they're, they're trying to go out there and beat the same team for a second time. The good news right. is Wisconsin just doesn't do anything creative. They run the ball up the middle. Jack Cohn tries to act like he's a good quarterback. Uh, he was explosive last week. Oh, you sent me that tweet from, from, was it pro football time? What was that? Pro football focus. Pro football focus that said he was explosive. Get out of here. I just want to say this too. Justin Fields had like what would be considered a bad Justin Fields game last week. It was his worst. 14 of 25 for 302 yards and four touchdown passes. It was his worst game in Ohio State uniform. They're going to win by 30. All right. Bro, hold on. Justin Fields has 37 passing touchdowns and one pick on the season. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. When did did he throw that pick? I don't even remember him throwing that. It had to be against, like, Old Dominion, right? Like like in a game where none of us were watching. Oh, he threw a pick against Michigan State. Oh, God. And in that game, he was 17 of 25 for 206 yards and two touchdowns. And With 11 carries for 61 yeah. and, a, and a touchdown. On exactly. The <laughs> it's ridiculous. No one is talking him. about him. Why? Not a single person. He's the best quarter. He's, he's a top three quarterback in the country on unquestionably the most dominant team in the, in the, in the country. Right. And we're just not having a conversation. Like everybody. He might not about- even finish top three in the Heisman voting on his own team. Jeremy. Oh my God. Wow. They're stacked. He's thrown 37 touchdowns in one pick, and you're right. He'll probably finish third on his own team in the Heisman voting. That's It's fucking insane. No, that makes me – that drives me crazy. All right, this is the only game – this is the only game we – wow. Wow. God. All right. This is the like you you giving me too much stuff that's blowing my mind, man. Mind is melting. You had the Kentucky quarterback. Now you got this adjusted fields. I can't handle it. Uh this is the only game here that that we disagree on, actually. Um, it's Baylor and Oklahoma. Um, and honestly, I, I'm kind of rooting for Baylor. Um, Me too. Weirdly. And that's why you picked him, I think. Of course, bro. Charlie Brewerhive, alive and thriving. I, I, 
Damn, you man, is, is that the sentence you said most on this? It's that or Purdy. Uh, that or Purdy high for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I just think Oklahoma's going to win. Uh, would I be shocked if Baylor did? Absolutely not. Um, and would I? Would I? A little part of me be happier if Baylor won because then, like Utah, has a clearer path. Sure. Uh, but I think that I, I I trust Jalen Hurts more than Charlie Brewer. Like literally, that's the only. Yeah, that's fair. That's like it. That's like in in a big game like this, he's been there literally. It the feels, reason like, I pick it Baylor feels like is Jalen Hurts has been playing in big games for a decade. Yeah, no, he's been in he's been in college as long as Perry Ellis was at Kansas. Yeah, um, yeah, for real. The reason I pick Baylor, there's a couple reasons. One, Matt Rule with he's already seen Jalen Hurts now. Uh, at this point this year, that's fair. one of the better defensive coaches in the country. Um, they're going to be pissed off after what happened the last time these two teams played. Yeah, the games in Texas, although uh, you know, obviously OU fans are going to travel well for this, but you know, it, it is a little you know Texas Texas Oklahoma rivalry still in a way. Right. Um, and I just think like Baylor's defense is so good that if the offense can just get going and stay going for a full game this time that they can win. So uh, that's the only that's reason fair. I'm picking Baylor. No, that's totally fair. And, and, and honestly, this is a total toss up and this can be my one spot where I make up one game. Uh, mind you, if I lose every game this week, I finish 500. So like it would be, it, could you imagine if we got all of these wrong? It would be complete and utter mayhem. Yeah, it would. But still, nonetheless. With, with would my, people be more panicked about you going 500 on the year or more panicked <laughs> about the chaos being thrown completely out of whack? <laughs> nah, it's just our, our listeners would be so concerned that I finished 500 on the dot. Uh, all right, so moving on from there. So I have OU, you have Baylor. Now um, it's Memphis and Cincinnati. Um, look. We've been consistent all year long with this one. This is the American Championship. It's at 3.30 ABC on Saturday. We've been consistent all year that we think Memphis is by far the better team than Cincinnati. Like, not particularly close. Right. Did Cincinnati put up a fight last week? Yeah, they did. With their more, than, more so than I thought they would. At Memphis. Um, you know, with their backup quarterback... Um, now, the argument could be made that their backup quarterback almost helped because there was no way to scout him, and Memphis just kind of had to like roll with whatever they could in the given moment. Um, they won that game 34-24. Um, and again, it's really, really hard to uh, beat a team twice in a year. It's even more difficult to do it back-to-back weeks. Uh, that said, Memphis... Memphis is going to win this game. And mind you, unlike the rest of these championships, because uh, we are poor in the American Conference, this is a home game for Memphis. I actually like that they play the conference championship game at the home stadium with I do the better too, team. To be honest with you, I like it also. Um, and, I, and I love that that was essentially just decided by that game last week. <laughs> like, right. I was deciding home field advantage. I mean, I guess technically a Memphis loss, Navy could have gone. Um, which would have made it for a weird scenario that we talked about where Navy could have played in a conference championship and then a regular season game the following week in Army-Navy. But uh, it, Memphis is the home team. They've lost back-to-back. Remind me, Jeremy. Remind me. Which team has Kenneth Gainwell? Exactly. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yep. 
No, that's all you need to say. That's really all you need to say. He he. Uh, this afternoon. and if you want to double down on that, which team has Kenneth Gainwell and also Demonte Coxie? For real. I mean, look, since he has Michael Warren, he's great, but he's not as good as either of those players. And no. and for that matter, with Kenneth Gainwell, Kenneth Gainwell won uh, AAC Rookie of the Year uh, earlier this afternoon, and I saw a lot of UCF people. Um, somewhat complaining not about not Dylan Gabriel, but, but surprised that it wasn't Gabriel considering where he, I mean, he's top 20 in like every quarterback category for all quarterbacks across the country. Kenneth Gainwell is the best player in this conference. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell should win player of the year in the American athletic conference, not just rookie of the year. In my opinion, not your boy, Shane Bouchelle. Shane Bouchelle was phenomenal. Kenneth Gainwell carried the best team yeah. as a freshman. Like, they were the best team, and he was a freshman, and he dominated from the moment he got on the field, doing everything. Uh, he's amazing. Um, and it'll go to a quarterback, probably. Maybe Bouchelle. Uh, hell, maybe Dylan Gabriel, which would be hilarious. But uh, I would say having him is the difference. Playing at home, mind you, just think about this. They lost the last two years. They lost double overtime at undefeated UCF. Double overtime back with Riley Patterson. Yeah, that game was crazy. That was the Shaquem got to Patterson, and it was a pick by, I want to say, Trey Neal. Uh, and then last year, where they went up 17 points in the first half against UCF. After they had already blown a lead like that against UCF early right. in the season. And then yeah. Daryl Mack throws for over... He's the You know that Daryl Mack in that game is the only quarterback other than Lamar Jackson in this century? to throw for 200 yards, rush for 100 yards, throw for two touchdowns, rush for four touchdowns in a singular game. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I saw that stat pop back up on my time hop because it was like a year from that game. He, he was unbelievable in that game. And so they had that crazy comeback that with all the, you know, fucking lays in the stand and everything like that. Like, right. Everybody know, crying. Right. Everybody's literally, I was, I was actually in tears at that game. Not, I'm not kidding. I was crying tears in the stands of that game. Because it was just so emotional after Milton got hurt. So, like, that's what they've been victim to the last two years. Now they got a home conference championship game. If they can't get the monkey off their back, finally. If they can't win this one, they should just quit. Like, honestly. Just fold the program. Just honestly. Send all your good players to UCF. Yeah, let Norvell go to FSU. Send your good players to UCF and just be done with it, honestly. Uh, All right. And then the last one. Uh, This is, I think, this is weird. I think you and I are rooting harder for the for a team in the SEC championship game than you and I have ever and will ever root for a team in the SEC championship game ever again. I right? just yeah, so I don't want to say anything about this game other than please LSU just do please. the right thing and win this fucking game. Please, for the love of God, win this game. Because if I have to watch Georgia in the playoff, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> I swear, no, like I'm serious. If if I have to watch Georgia play Ohio State, I'm gonna kill someone. Yeah, I just don't want to watch it. I just don't. And like, as frustrated as you and they're I, they're the most unwatchable top ten team I think I've ever seen. Well, and it's so funny because you and I, as much as we've complained about Oklahoma during this podcast, I'd so much rather watch Oklahoma. I would rather watch them. Baylor. I would Literally rather watch anybody. Baylor. Yeah. Literally, yeah. give me anything but Georgia, please. Yeah, so LSU And I like I like Georgia as a program. I like yeah, it's Jacob Fromm. I like DeAndre Swift. It's just this it's the way it's gone this year. I like Jake Fromm more than most. 
Uh, DeAndre Swift is a superstar. Hell, Lawrence Cagers had an awesome year as a transfer. And they've got studs on defense. Like, that's the thing. It's just, I hate watching them. I don't like, like, they're not aesthetically pleasing enough. It's like an NFL team that's not your own personal NFL team. Like, I don't know about you, but I cannot watch NFL games that don't involve the Jaguars anymore. I just can't. It's just I care so much about fantasy football. But if I didn't care as much about fantasy football, I wouldn't watch any of those games. And and Georgia Georgia drives you crazy that way. So LSU, you're the better team. You've been the better team all year. You have the, the arguably the best quarterback in the country. When and America is rooting for you. And everyone wants you to win besides Georgia fans. Which means they're definitely going to lose, Jeremy. Of course they're going to lose, and it's going to kill us. And it's gonna kill, and it's gonna it's gonna do that same thing where you're gonna go, oh man, the SEC did that thing where they got two teams again, and there are these other deserving teams on the outside looking in that just don't even get to be compared to each other because Georgia has to be in there, and they would deserve it. That's the worst part. Is yeah, they would. It. It's really shitty. What sucks they would. is that like there's no complaints from anybody about what that top four would be. So LSU. Just do what you're supposed to do and win this. Game. Make it easy on the rest of us. Yeah, God. All right. So, uh, real quick, um, we're gonna go back. Just oh, uh, so hold on. Let's pick these other games real quick. Sun Belt, uh, Louisiana and App State. Who wins? App State. Agreed. Mac, Miami of Ohio and Central Michigan. Who wins? Chippewas, baby. Let's go. Honestly, same. Uh, Conference USA, UAB and FAU. Don't even ask me this question. You know, know I'm a blazer for life. Yeah, I'm rolling with the lane train. Uh, although Fuck he the might lane train, he might, he go might, Blazers. He might leave for Arkansas, so maybe, maybe never mind. But either way, and then Mountain West, Hawaii, and Boise. Uh, Hawaii with the upset. It would be dope if it happened. Uh, I'm going Boise though. Um, <laughs> oh, what we what we didn't point out, by the way, is that because well, and I guess we could get there. We're going to talk about the rankings, but because of the rankings, it looks like the AAC championship game is a de facto. New Year's New Year's six bowl play in, yeah, which is pretty cool. Uh, real quick, grown man of the week from last week is J.K. Dobbins, thirty-one rushes, two hundred eleven yards, four touchdowns. Obviously, uh, it was also Lynn Bowden, but <laughs> Lynn Bowden <laughs> Jr. Baby, but but still, uh, and then uh, so that we we sort of have the joint grown man of the week there. Uh, who was your onion hanger? Um, so we as a podcast. Uh, we're wrong about Navy to start the year. We've brought totally it up wrong. a lot. Yeah. A lot we've brought it up because rightfully so. We were wrong. I think the words that have been spoken most in order, Charlie Brewer Hive, Brock Purdy Hive, we were wrong about Navy. And Josh Heupel is a terrible coach. Oh, and also Chuba Hubbard is the best. Oh, yeah. Chuba All right. <laughs> Grown man of the week, Chuba Hubbard. <laughs> we're yeah. going to have fun with these awards. Um. Okay, but my onion hanger, so at least, you know, a wise man once said, Jeremy, if you're going to be wrong, be wrong consistently and be wrong flamboyantly. All right. Uh, so that being said, I'm picking – I know the game's not in for two not more weeks. Week. But Army is going to beat Navy. That's my onion hanger. You're the worst. This yes, I am. All right. So let's do uh, – let's go down to our rankings. Um, so here's how we'll start it. Here's what I will do. Uh, we're going to just bring you guys through our preferred walk-on ratings and we're not going to at all go through the college football playoff rankings alongside it. Let's not even uh, analyze that. Let's just talk about ours first. Then what I will do is we will just discuss from there. Um, the playoff rankings. Simply the playoff rankings and scenarios. So I don't yep. really care about the college football playoff in terms of anybody after about eight or nine. Let's, right. So we'll discuss our rankings first. So uh, 25 through 21 at 25. The University of Central Florida Knights of UCF. 
Um, uh, wait, right. wait, wait. All right, so, so uh, uh, that's not what it says. <laughs> all right, so Meech had Kansas State, but I'm putting a little number next to UCF. They're nine and three. They've lost three games by seven points combined. I'm putting UCF there. I don't care what you say. Kansas State is not the 25th best team. It's going to be UCF. At 24, Michigan. <laughs> At 23, USC. At 22, App State. And 21, Iowa. Any thoughts there? Uh, you're not uh, allowed to talk about Kansas State. Yeah, it's a shame that Michigan's still holding on to a top 25 ranking, but like, there's nowhere else to put them. Uh, USC. If we, want, we could put them at 26, and we could put Kansas State at 24 and UCF at 25 if you really want to do it. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, right, fuck it. Fuck move it. on to the next block. <laughs> All right. Uh, 20 through 16. Virginia, 20. Cincinnati, 19. Minnesota, 18. Navy, 17. Notre Dame, 16. Any thoughts? Uh, no, that, that all just kind of makes sense to me. Uh, it's a shame Navy isn't getting a chance to play for the conference title, but you know, you lose a couple conference games. That's what happens. Yeah. It happens. Uh, and you know, placing them right behind Notre Dame feels right after what Notre Dame did to them. Right. Uh, and you know, it sucks that Minnesota ends up at 18 after the year that they've had. But you know, if you would have told me coming into the year, like, Hey, Minnesota would finish 18th. And if they had won their last game against Wisconsin would have been in the Big Ten Championship, right. I would have been like, wow, that's a great season for Minnesota. Exactly. So, relatively speaking, it's disappointing, but, you know, big picture-wise, that's a it's a great year for them. Correct. I agree with you completely. Uh, going up from 15, 15 to 11, we got Penn State at 15, Boise State 14, Wisconsin 13, Auburn 12, Alabama 11. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean <laughs> – uh, uh, you know, like we've said most of the year, the the power, uh, the group of five teams are getting extremely disrespected in the AP, and more especially so the college football poll. Mm-hmm. Boise is nineteenth in the uh, college football poll. It's crazy to me. Uh, that's absolute bullshit. Um, yeah, it's crazy. They're they're a top fifteen team in the country. I'm sorry, and yeah. Wisconsin belongs at third. Like belongs outside of the top ten. Of course for, they for, do. For Wisconsin to be eighth in the college football playoff poll and tenth in the AP is a is a sham. Yeah. That, like, it's just flat out. It is, it's, it's bullshit. I completely agree with you, obviously. Um, I will say the one thing that we have that is a little different, we got Alabama over Auburn. Obviously, the argument could be made either way. Auburn did just beat Alabama. Uh, you know, it took two pick sixes and playing at home. They have three losses. We called them the best nine and three team of all time. Alabama has two. They haven't really beat a lot of other people, but like, they played 10 times. I like to think Alabama's winning six or seven of those, but right. Uh, anywho, that's why they're there. All right, now yep. to our top ten, uh, and I'll go ten through five. Yep, exactly. All right, ten Oregon, nine Memphis, where they should be. Yeah, that's a top ten program. It's top ten. Eight Florida, seven Oklahoma, six Baylor, five Georgia. Any thoughts there or notes that you'd like to make other than just yelling Memphis is a top 10 program? Memphis is ranked ninth in the preferred walk-ons poll. They are 16th in the AP and 17th in the college football playoff poll. It is That's asinine. It's outrageous. That's asinine. Well, it's look, maybe we have them a little higher than than they should be, maybe. But, I mean, even if you don't think they should be a top 10 team, to put them outside of the top 15? Yeah, the fact that they're not one of the top 15 teams in the country, considering their dominance, is completely ridiculous to me. Um, Yeah. 
We this is the UCF treatment all over again, except it's just happening to a different team in different right. jerseys. And, and it's not as loud and it's not as, as, as there because this team did lose a game. If they didn't have that loss, I, oh, I well, still don't think they would be a top 15 team in either poll. That's what's so interesting is if they didn't lose that game to Temple, that's where the conversation is interesting because we would have said undefeated UCF. I, I've talked about this at nauseum. Undefeated UCF is the number four team in the country right now. Or, or maybe number five and gets to be number four if Georgia loses to LSU, right? Like, I know you've, you've said, you know, different things, whatever. But Milton never gets hurt. We're in a different world where they go undefeated. Right. I mean, that's a yeah. completely different team. Right. No, but, it's a di- no but, but my point being that that UCF team gets to be sitting just on the outside right now looking at theoretically controlling their own destiny toward going to the playoff. Where if Memphis is undefeated right now, they're not even in the conversation still. And that's crazy because it would have just been specifically one brand when arguably the AAC is better this year than it's ever been. Like what Memphis would be doing by going undefeated in this AAC would be better. The fact that they're down at 17 with a two-point loss to Temple is crazy to me. Um, the only other thing that I would say, um, we have Florida a spot higher than they are in the uh, AP poll. For, what about what about Wisconsin has the college football committee seen that puts them above Florida? That is that's the most egregious thing they've done this season. The most, I like there's an argument Florida's the sixth best team in the country. I was really mad when undefeated Baylor and undefeated Minnesota were what I considered to be underrated. Um this calling Wisconsin better than Florida means you have not watched a single game. Yeah, not a single one. Not a single game. It, there's no way that Wisconsin is better than Florida. No way. For, like, and, and you and me like are notable like Florida trolls. Like, I, I literally const- I trolled Florida three separate times today on Twitter. Right. But I, as an objective college football watcher, we can both sit here and agree Florida, that Florida is not only better than Wisconsin, Florida might be a top six team in the country. Correct. And to have Florida at nine behind Wisconsin, it's that crazy. tells me that they don't give a fuck yeah, about could, what they're ranking. I could pretty easily argue that Florida is better than both Baylor and Oklahoma. Like, without much they of They have Penn State 10th in the college yeah. football playoff poll right now. It's crazy. 10th! It's crazy. Uh, all right. Hold on. So... Now we're moving to our top four. So what all that meant by having Georgia at five, we have Utah at four. We think Utah is the fourth best team in the country. That'll sort itself out. Clemson three, LSU two, Ohio State one. We've been really consistent on that matchup. So I'm going to read some of the notable on the way up uh, rankings here in the college football playoffs. So like you pointed out, um, you know, we have uh, the group of five is being pretty disrespected, but you got App State at 21, which we actually have them at 22. But Cincinnati at 20, Boise at 19, Memphis at 17. I said a few minutes ago uh, that Memphis and Cincinnati is a de facto play-in for the New Year's Six game. That's pretty exciting because I would like to imagine that Cincinnati beating Memphis, even though they quote-unquote, you know, tear it up from scratch and rebuild it, I would think that two-loss Cincinnati coming off a win over Memphis would be better than one-loss Boise, who's sitting just a spot ahead of them with a win over Hawaii. it's especially considering what you and I think about Memphis going on the road and beating them. Uh, some notable teams here. They still have Iowa sitting at 16, fucking Michigan at 14. Uh, <laughs> they have Oregon all the way down at, at, at 13. People say there's an SEC bias in the polls, but this is really like 
the Big Ten is getting like filleted by the it's, college football committee. It's all because Ohio State's so good this year. I think that's really what it is. I, I really do. Um, Oregon's all the way down at thirteen. With well, then how is Cincinnati not a top five team? They, you know, I they totally got beat by. They, they got, got crushed by Ohio State too. Right. They think about what their losses are. Right. Like if they do go ten and two, their losses will. Or, or sorry, if they yeah, if they go ten and two with a win here, or, or I guess eleven and two with a win here over Memphis. They'll have a loss to Ohio State and a loss to Memphis, who they then beat. Yeah. That would absolutely deserve the New Year's Six game. It'd be asinine if they weren't there. Uh, okay. And then up from nine. Nine, Florida. Too low. Wisconsin, eight. I, I'll kill them. Uh, Baylor's at seven. Oklahoma's at six. Utah's at five. Georgia's at four. Clemson, three. LSU, two. Ohio State, one. So, based off of what happens in our predictions, right, we have Ohio State winning this weekend. We have LSU winning this weekend. We have Clemson winning this weekend. Georgia losing. We both had Utah, and we were split on Baylor and Oklahoma. Now, what does become interesting, and, you know, we hadn't really thought about this scenario, is what happens if Wisconsin does beat Ohio State? See, that's the that's the one scenario I'm not willing to even entertain, though. Because it's not going to happen. I'd be willing to entertain. Like, if you said, "What if Georgia? What if Georgia beats LSU, and then Utah loses to Oregon, and Baylor beats Oklahoma?" Right. I'd be willing to have that. That to me is more believable. So let's have that those happen. all of those things happening to me is more believable. Like, if Wisconsin right, beats so, Ohio State. I, I, I don't know what, what I would do with myself. So, I'm sorry. So, well, so I have a question here. So, so yeah. that being said, because Wisconsin can. It's, it, it, the game is going to be played, and Wisconsin could win it. So based off the college football playoff poll, theoretically, theoretically, Wisconsin is alive. I, it's doubtful in every sense of the term that even if they beat Ohio State, that they would get to go to the playoff. But... If they beat Ohio State and get in the playoff, I'm setting the whole thing on fire. I mean, me too. But but let's just entertain it for a half a second. For, for just a half a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. What I'm trying to do is essentially eliminate, like, explain who actually can get in. Because I think the only scenario in which Wisconsin could get in is if Utah loses. And they, like, if Utah loses and Wisconsin beats Ohio State, and LSU beats Georgia, then it's like, right? LSU, Clemson, Utah. Can, sorry, I, can I give you a hot take? Can I give you a hot take? Would Wisconsin get to go over Ohio State? No, so that, that's my thing. Even if Wisconsin beats Ohio State. Ohio State still goes to the playoffs. I still think Ohio State's in, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, so that's why I'm trying to entertain it. So with all that being said, you would need even more to happen for Wisconsin to get in, which just doesn't feel possible. Uh, right, would, like like Clemson would you, have to lose to Virginia. Right. If Clemson to loses happen. to Virginia, their spot becomes open immediately because the, like, the committee – like, as Dabo has said, they want they want to get rid of Clemson. They do, yeah, which is crazy. Um, yeah, and it's weird. Um, you almost wonder with with the way that they've done this, with like Alabama being ranked all the way down at twelve, so that they might not even get a New Year's Six game, and they're hating on Clemson. You almost wonder if the committee sort of just like listened to what everybody said about the repetitiveness of the college football playoff, 
and is just sitting here trying to down downgrade those two teams that have been to so many finals in a row in this weird way, just going like, all right, we'll do that for a year. So that next year when they're one and two, nobody can complain. Right. Um, but I, I will say Wisconsin can only get in like, so we can eliminate Florida, right? Like that's what I'm saying is essential. Even though we shouldn't, we can eliminate Florida, right? Two lost Florida doesn't have any way to move up. Right. Uh, I, I think we can eliminate them. It would take an absolute dumpster fire for them to be able to get in. Um, so the only way Wisconsin can get in is with a win over Ohio State, LSU beating Georgia, and Virginia beating Clemson. And then even then, it's sort of a, eh, maybe. Okay? So with that being said, we have seven teams that could go to the college football playoff. Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson. And then Georgia, Utah, Oklahoma, and Baylor. I am of the belief, and I believe you are the same, that if LSU beats Georgia and Utah beats Oregon, Utah should go to the college football playoff regardless of what happens in the Oklahoma-Baylor game. Are you on the same wavelength there? Yeah, 100%. I, I am just of the belief that Utah has been the better team than Oklahoma or Baylor all season long. Yes, they right. have a loss. The problem, and I'll tell you this, is we both agree Utah is the better team, and if they win and Oklahoma wins, we, we still believe that Utah should be in over Oklahoma. The thing that is riding against Utah in this case is the college football committee mm-hmm. is stupid. They've proven that time and time again. Well, the Wisconsin's at eight. Right. And not only that, we, we have recent showings that they will favor a – blue blood program that they see often in Oklahoma over a superior product out West. We saw that with Christian McCaffrey when the, yep. when the voter flat out told him, Oh, I haven't actually seen any of your games. this year." Well, yeah, we had, so we've had that conversation a multitude of times about, it's funny that, and maybe it's just because we both have horrific sleep schedules, but I think we watch more PAC 12 football than any humans on the East coast. Right. Uh, and because because that, it's good, right? Because and what we've seen is that Utah is dominant, and so in college, I remember turning around and saying to my dad, "Yo, this Christian McCaffrey guy is unbelievable," and, and he just like, hadn't heard of him. Really, he's just a little white guy at Stanford. No, dude, he's not. He's not Toby Gerhardt. He's right. amazing. Uh, and doing the same thing that USC team that went nine and three that I know you know there was no way they were ever going to get in. But I was sitting here going that they should be knocking on the door of the college football playoff because they were nine and one under Sam Darnold with an overtime loss in his first game, and they were crushing people after that. But they weren't even close. Why? Because nobody watched them play, even USC right. on the West Coast. And so Utah's got that same issue that if Utah was just wearing the Oklahoma uniforms, fuck, if Utah was wearing the UCF uniforms. Like, if people could just watch them at a normal time. Yeah, it's just, exactly. It's Utah. Like, who cares about Utah? Plus, like, people hear Utah, and it's not like it's like, oh, like, if it was Cal, even, I feel, feel like USC people would pay more. UCLA. Yeah. If it was USC, we'd be having a totally different conversation today. And, in fact, they might be the fourth-ranked team in the country like we have them right now. But because they're Utah, and for that matter, I, I will say, they have not beaten a lot of really good teams, but they've dominated their schedule. And that's, that's the whole thing is, no, their schedule's not very good, but they've dominated it. And I just think that it, so we're on the same wavelength there that if Georgia does lose to LSU and then Ohio State, 
and Clemson both win their games that, that Utah should be the next team in. Uh, obviously, there's a chance that Oklahoma or Baylor will go. Do you want to entertain what happens if I mean, so there's not really much. I think the most interesting, I really think the most interesting thing that we haven't covered and we can do this and then, and then move on is, and then end the show actually is if LSU beats Georgia, Mm -hmm. number two, LSU beats number four, Georgia and number one, Ohio state beats number eight, Wisconsin. Do you think LSU flip flops with Ohio state? That is the most interesting thing because if I'm Ohio state and I'm LSU, I want nothing to do with Clemson. No, fuck that. I do not want to play Clemson under any circumstances in the first round. How about this? Clemson's Clemson probably beats LSU, right? 100%. Yeah, like I like I don't know that they beat Ohio State because Ohio State we've talked about is just a Ohio State team. should win the national championship this year. Yeah, we've been it's on their, that. It's their national title to lose in my we, opinion. We've been on that literally since the moment we started rankings. We've been on the same page there from the very beginning. They're ridiculously dominant. They're ridiculously good. Uh, that I mean, we said, just said they have three legitimate Heisman contenders on their right. team, and that's not even including the two defensive backs on their uh, on their defense. We're, we're probably going to go in the first round. Yeah, uh, it, it's stupid. It's <laughs> dumb. Well, Urban Meyer left them in pretty good shape. Uh, yeah. I, so, I think it's possible. So here's what I would say: We are of the belief that Ohio State beats Wisconsin by multiple touchdowns. Yes, they've moved Wisconsin all the way up to eight. Part of me does think that they did that so that they could keep Ohio State at one. So that when LSU beats Georgia, that there's still a reasonable like, look, we had them at number one. There was some distance and then they beat down what we considered to be the eighth best team in the country. Right. Put them exactly where it is. And that's okay. the only reasonable way to do it. If Wisconsin was down at 13, 14, 15, like we think that they should be, and Ohio State beats them down for a second time, it's like, yeah, we knew you were better than that team. They're not that good. And LSU, <laughs> right. Right. And then right. LSU goes and, and theoretically blows out Georgia. You got to flip the two. I think by having Wisconsin as high as they do, the committee has created a little bit of a bubble for themselves. Yeah, to keep Ohio State there. To keep Ohio State. I honestly kind of think they did the same thing by by keeping Baylor as high as they did because it's pretty easy to make the argument that the Gators are better than Baylor and that if you want to make that argument, then you can make the Wisconsin argument. Like Baylor. And the Oklahoma argument. The Oklahoma argument, all of it, that Baylor could be a little bit lower. I think maybe they inflate Baylor specifically so that if Oklahoma beats them, they can justify moving Oklahoma over Utah, right? There's, there's some things that they can do these things arbitrarily because they don't have to give us a real reason. They can, th- they can, pick they can literally pull anything out of their ass and use that. that they, yeah. want. they go, oh, strength of record, oh, head-to-head. I, they do it every week. So I part of me thinks that Wisconsin's ranked as high as they are specifically so that they can keep Ohio State at one because I think if they're being honest with themselves, Ohio State's the best team in the country. And so, right. you know, I, I am of the belief that if Ohio State wins this weekend, they should stay number one. If they win close and LSU blows out Georgia, that's going to flip. All right. Uh, I got one last thing to say, and we can literally cut the recording here. Yeah, let's do it. LSU, please beat Georgia. Please, for the love of God.